Well, happy Mother's Day again as we kind of transition here. I always feel like those child dedications are such a celebration, but there's also some great weight there. And uh, as we think about all that God could do, you know, one of the uh, craziest things, and I'm not sure if this is encouraging or if this is weight for you, but uh, somebody told me a long time ago, you know, whatever God does in your life, perhaps the greatest thing he'll ever do is use you to shepherd your children to do something great for Jesus. And uh, so uh, there is great hope uh, in Jesus for that. But if it's your first time here, I want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Mitch. I get the joy of pastoring Redeemer City Church, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. I would love to meet you and chat with you. I'll be in the back afterwards, and uh, we'd love to give you a gift. Put that in your hands as a way to say thank you for being here. And uh, if you would fill out that connection card that you got, there's one in front of you somewhere. There should be one in the packet you got. And uh, drop that in the offering bucket later or in a black box on your way out the door. We would love to know that you were here and connected to you in the future. We send out an email every week and uh, not spam, just one. And uh, it's real short, but uh, we're so glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us. But today, uh, I'm just going to step right into the moment. And we're going to talk about motherhood, Mother's Day. But what's crazy is there is a mother in scripture, a specific one that I want to look at, that we can all learn. So this is not just going to be a sermon for mothers. It's going to be a Mother's Day sermon. There's a difference because there's an application for every one of us today. But when you think about motherhood in scripture in general, uh, scripture has a lot to say about the physical and spiritual impact that a mom can have. On her family and on her husband and on on literally generations to come. Uh, I think just immediately about what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy when he was a young pastor in ministry. He said, remember what your grandmother and your mother taught you. I mean, of all the leadership advice that Paul could give Timothy, he begins with mom. And there's something to be said for that. When, when my kids, I have three kids, uh, eight, five, and almost two, almost six and two. But uh, when they need like a jar open, they come to me. But when they need like real something, they always go to mom. Can I get an amen from the dads? <laughs> it just happens, right? Because they know that there's love and warmth and compassion, and grace to be had at the feet of mom, right? Dad, you know, we have our strengths. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks on Father's Day. But uh, today's about the moms. And so uh, motherhood in Scripture. I also think about Proverbs 31. And uh, a lot of times we get pigeonholed in the church into thinking that there's one specific track for mom. That, uh, you know... History past might have laid this foundation that mom is at home and in the kitchen and and these kind of things. And if that's your call, that's an important call. But Proverbs 31 gives us another picture that mom can be in the business place and that mom can be moving the ball forward for the family. Uh, Proverbs 31 talks about her being up. You've heard the phrase burning the midnight oil. That's where it comes from, from Proverbs 31, that uh, wherever you are and wherever you find yourself today as a woman of God, uh, he can use you. That if you are called to be at home with your children, you should run with that 
and give it all you have for Jesus because the scripture says that you have an incredible opportunity to shepherd your children. If you're in the marketplace, you're teaching your children wherever you find yourself. And so uh, we're going to look at a mom today. And uh, as I think about this mom, uh, perhaps you've heard the phrase in culture or growing up, mama bear. Anybody? Anybody ever heard the phrase mama bear? Why do we call her mama bear? Come on, this is class participation today. Why do we call her mama bear? Because she protects her kids, right? And, uh, you know, there's something beautifully scary about a mother who goes into protection mode, right? Like we just know you don't mess with a mom's kids, right? And so like I've, I've am blessed to be married to an incredibly strong woman. And uh, those of you who know her, can I get an amen? And uh, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, only a few times have I had to see that come out. I'll give you one example. We adopted our eight-year-old from Ethiopia, and he's got spina bifida. And so when we brought him home, uh, one of the things that was important to us is that as we would serve his physical needs, that he would have access to... Uh, let, let me just put it this way. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. So as we brought him home, we wanted to be able to literally make a difference. And so we took him to some doctors who shall remain nameless, even though we're still bitter about it, and uh, in, in the area here. And they basically told us there was no hope. There's just no hope. Like he just, you know, you're going to love him. You're going to do this. But physically speaking, his, his direction is set. It's just too late. There's nothing we can do. And uh, it was it was crazy. I just saw the look in her eye and it was and she just said to the doctor, this is the 21st century United States of America. And I will not accept that there is nothing modern medicine can do for my son. And I was just like, oh, and I'm, let me tell you, in within a week, we had an appointment in Jacksonville with a surgeon who said there is hope for your son. And you'll see him today. He's got two forearm canes and he'll be literally running around here acting like a crazy person. And a result of mama bear saying, no, that's not good enough. And so we get that though, right? If you are a mother in this room, you understand that, that there, there are certain things that when they come along for your children, that God's put in you a dream and a vision of where he's going to take them. And the Bible is clear that you can uh, bring that. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're just going to spend a couple minutes looking at a mom by the name of Hannah. A mom by the name of Hannah. And uh, while you're turning there to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, let me just give you the background on what's happening as this book opens. Uh, in the Old Testament, God worked through prophets. He would bring his message to the people through a prophet. They didn't have the Bible and uh, local churches. There was prophets sent by God to bring his message. And uh, one of those prophets' name was Samuel. And Samuel's mom was named Hannah. Now Samuel was the guy who God tapped on the shoulder to anoint the very first king of Israel, God's chosen people. And Samuel was going to be the guy who anointed that first king. But he had to be born, right? He had to be brought into this world. And uh, guess what? You had to be born. And so uh, we are thankful for our moms today on this Mother's Day. But from Hannah, 
We're going to learn two things that are critically important to your spiritual life. Two, two things that wherever you find yourself today, whether you've never given an ounce of thought to the things of God or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, wherever you fall in that spectrum, Hannah has a message for you. The Holy Spirit has a message for you. And so as we pick up this story with Hannah, we're going to pick it up in verse 8. But prior to that, the Bible gives us some important details. That Hannah uh, was barren. In other words, she was infertile. That she could not have children. And uh, I just want to pause and say to any women in this room who might be experiencing that, that you are not forgotten that God knows you, he loves you. If you end up watching this online later, we want you to know that God loves you, he's not forgotten about you. And Hannah is going to express some emotions that many women in this world feel who desire to have children but cannot have children. And we want you to know that we love you and that we're thankful for you. And I also should mention that all the women, we want you to take a gift today, just a little gift, a smelly gift, something that you're going to like, and, uh, but that's not just for moms, that's for all the women, so please feel free to grab that on your way out. But as we approach it with Hannah, uh, we have to point out the fact that uh, Hannah was a motivated mother. She did not yet have kids, but she was a motivated mother. She had a dream and a desire for more in her life. And I would guess that in a room with this many people, there's somebody sitting here that as you look at your life, you have a dream and a desire for more than you currently see. And I want you to know that if you are walking with the Lord, that he has a dream and a desire and a purpose for your life. Uh, maybe it would be easy for you to think about it this way. If you're not dead, God's not done. Amen? And so, as we look at this, uh, I want to challenge you with just two things from Hannah's life. But we have to pick it up in verse 8, because a very important thing happens in verse 8. And now I'm going to pick on the dads, alright? Uh, women, you don't have to amen this or anything, but uh, if you want to, feel free. We'll just take it as a sign from the Lord that we needed that today as men. But uh, Hannah was married to an emotionally challenged husband. Can I just say it to you that way? He was an emotionally challenged husband, okay? Because uh, what we're going to see is Hannah broken and distressed before the Lord. To the point where she's not eating, her countenance is down. She is struggling emotionally. And look at verse 8 at what her husband has to say. Alright, here's what it says. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And then here it is, guys. What you shouldn't say. Don't tell me the Bible doesn't have a sense of humor. All right? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> Come on, man. Right? That is not what you say to your crying wife. All right, guys? The next time your wife's crying, she'll be like, you got me, honey? That might be why she's crying. Okay? And this is where the story picks up. This is Hannah. I think a lot of times we get to the Bible and we think that these are people that somehow had some special measure of something that we don't. 
But the reality is, is they were real human beings with real problems just like you. Hannah had a dream that she would have a family of her own. And if you know anything about Old Testament culture, one of the things that God never celebrates but permitted for a period of time was Elkanah had another wife. And and the beginning of this story is birthed in brokenness because Elkanah, obviously, in that culture, uh, carrying on the family name was a huge deal, that the family would continue beyond this generation. And so the Bible says that Elkanah loved Hannah more than his other wife, but he needed that other wife to carry on the family name. And so verse 5 tells us that he would give Hannah a double portion of everything because he loved her. And so the story is birthed in dysfunction. And what we're going to see is that God works through your dysfunction. So wherever you find yourself as we open up Hannah's life, I want you to know that if you're not dead, God's not done. That God has a plan and purpose for every life in this room. But let, let's keep going here. Look at verse 9. It says, Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair. So quick, quick backstory again. They are in uh, town with people for a feast. Okay, And so uh, a lot of people around. That's why the priest is there. They're in the presence of God. And uh, here, here's what happened. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. Look at verse 10. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. This is the priest, the pastor. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. What a powerful passage of scripture. But before Hannah got to the answer she was looking for, she had to go through a process. She had to go through a process. You see, because like Hannah... We all have a problem. If you're taking notes, if you grabbed a sheet, number one is Hannah's problem. We we all stand, spiritually speaking, where Hannah was standing. From an eternal standpoint, 
and from a, tempor- a temporary standpoint. We all stand in the place that Hannah stands. If you're not a follower of Christ today, I want you to know that you stand right now where Hannah stood. As her womb was barren, your life is barren. The Bible says in John 15:5 that apart from Christ, you can do nothing. You, it, the, Jesus said it this way, what, what, what a tragedy that you would gain the whole world and lose your soul. The things of this earth you can't take with you. The thing that lasts for eternity is the thing that matters most. The most important decision you'll ever make is what will you do with Jesus? You see, we live in a culture that says that Jesus and the, and the Bible don't, uh, aren't compatible with science, aren't compatible with history. But, but we know that's not true. There's sufficient answers to all your questions if you'll seek them out. The Bible says it this way. Jeremiah said it. If you seek the Lord with all your heart, you'll find him. Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. And so, spiritually speaking, we stand where Hannah stands. But I also want to point out that physically we stand where Hannah stands. Whether you're a mom who desires a child or whether you're a businessman who desires to do more for the kingdom of God through business or whether you are whatever it is that God has put in your heart, whatever it is that God is doing in and through you, uh, hopefully there's a dream, a desire for more. That God would take you and use you to do more. In fact, it's biblical, right? It's 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven that God chooses to use the weak things of the world to shame the strong, to, to dumbfound the strong. Because if God can do it in me, everybody will know it was Jesus, right? And so that's where Hannah is. Hannah's, Hannah's womb was barren. And it was a problem that was beyond her control. Does anybody identify with that? I've got a problem beyond my control. Thankfully for Hannah and thankfully for us, we serve a God who specializes in bringing dead things to life. Amen? Because the message of the gospel is that God came to do for you what you could never do for yourself. And so Hannah was at the end of her rope. She couldn't see what God was doing. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're at the end of your rope. And you can't see what God's doing in your life. And you feel like there's a change. There's a shift. There's something in the atmosphere that you need to happen. And it's beyond your sight. It's beyond what you can see. Aren't you grateful that the text doesn't end with Hannah's problem? There was more in store for Hannah. And if you're not dead, there's more in store for you. God has not made a mistake in bringing Hannah to this point. And wherever you are today, God has not made a mistake in bringing you to this point in your life. He's at work. But here's what Hannah knew and here's what you know. Hannah knew she had a problem. And you know yours. Because until we understand that there's a problem, until we understand that there's darkness, we won't know that there's light. You see, what makes the light so bright is that we've walked in the darkness. And the light shines brightest in the darkness. So Hannah's problem led to, number two, Hannah's provision. And I love this, what happens in verse 10 and 15. 
See, because Hannah was in deep anguish, verse 10, but she didn't stay there. What, what does the scripture say? That when she was in her deep anguish, she did what? She prayed to the Lord. You go to verse 15, it says, I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I have a problem. But she didn't stay in her problem. What does it say? She says, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. When you have a problem, you need provision. When you have a problem, you need someone else to bring you provision. You see, because the, the thing about having a problem that's beyond your control is you need something outside of you to help inside of you. You see, that's the conundrum of the entire human race. You see, there's been religion around for centuries. Since the beginning of time, religion has tried to answer a problem that only Jesus can solve. You see, every religion in the world seeks to look at the problem you have and give you a way to rise above the problem. The, the issue with that is that for centuries, people have known that we can't. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can't get past the problem. I need provision from somewhere else. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus comes down. He doesn't expect you to come up. And that's the message of the Bible. And so Hannah's here and she knows in her darkest hour, she has to go somewhere else. And she goes to the Lord. Her help comes from the Lord. One of my favorite commentators is a guy by the name of Dale Ralph Davis. And what he says about this text is spot on. Listen to what he says. He says, God's tendency is to make our total inability his starting point. Our helplessness and our hopelessness are no barrier to his work. Indeed, our utter incapacity is often the prop he delights to use for his next act. Aren't you grateful for that? That whatever you see in front of you is no barrier to the God of the universe. There's hope in Jesus' name. And I also love the language that Hannah chose to pray with. What did she say? She said, if, verse 11, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. You know, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were in that great Old Testament story and standing before the fiery furnace, about to be literally burned alive, and they're standing before King Nebuchadnezzar, and he says to him, what are you going to do now? I'm about to burn you alive. Where's your God now? And they look at him and they say, man, we're not afraid of you. They say, our God can save us. Our God can deliver us from this present evil. And then I love what they say. But if he doesn't, it's all good because I'm going to be in the presence of God. You see, Hannah knew also that God doesn't owe us anything. But she believed in her heart that he was the one that could solve the problem. He doesn't owe us anything, but he does have a track record for doing the impossible, doesn't he? What Hannah would have remembered was Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Look at what this verse says in Exodus 3. It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. Hannah would have known this passage. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And this is a line that brings every one of us hope today. And I am concerned about their suffering. Hannah poured out her soul to a God she knew cared. 
and she knew could deliver. And what's the Bible say? Her whole countenance changed. And she went and did what? Worshipped the Lord. When your life centers around the worship of God, things will start to change. Things will start to change because when you get God's perspective, you begin to step into the purpose that he's given for your life. If you have a dream for more, I want to encourage you to worship the Lord in the darkness. Because when you dream in the darkness, God can give birth in the light. And that's the way that the God of the Bible works. But what does that look like for you? If you don't know Christ, or if you do know Christ and you have a problem and you can't see the provision, where do you begin? You begin where Hannah began. The New Testament says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Cast all your care on the Lord because he cares for you. Some translations will say anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. You see, wherever you're at today... Whatever problem is in front of you, whatever provision you need, there's only one source that can answer that. There's only one God who can bring your destiny to pass, and his name is Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to invite the band to come back up on this Mother's Day and sing another song. And what I'd like you to do is surrender your heart to the Lord. That you would just in this moment, that you would take your life, your heart, your soul, and like Hannah, just pour your soul out before the Lord. Maybe, maybe you don't even believe in God. But the Bible says that it's been placed in the heart of every man to know that there is a God. And I would just ask that you would take the challenge, that you would take the Bible's own challenge. You can stand with me. And pour your soul out before the Lord. If there's a problem that you need provision for, the provision's found in Jesus. There's no other answer that can do for you what you need to be done.